0: Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids and across the week we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our Associate Pastor Alice Meads.
1: Hi, hello. Today we are starting a new series. We are going to be in the book of Genesis for the next few weeks and we're going to be looking at um, the story of the life of Joseph. Now you may or may not know this—the story of his life—fairly well already. Um, I know for me, growing up, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and uh, I grew up in the '90s. And I remember, therefore, huh, the hit musical *Joseph* and his amazing Technicolor Dream Code. You know, for me, that was my first encounter with the story of Joseph. You know, um, as a school choir, we learned all the songs from the musical and sung them. I was in a drama club, and we put on a performance of *Joseph*. Um, I played the part of Potiphar's wife, which is, if you know the story, the lady that tries to seduce Joseph later on. Um, If Actually, if there is photographic evidence out there, I would quite like it so I can destroy it. Um, And I remember as a school, uh, we did a trip up to the West End to go and see it. Uh, And I remember it well because we got stuck in such bad traffic that we missed the first half, which was so disappointing because I've been so looking forward to seeing it. (laughs) <laughs> Although actually, not as disappointing as the fact that when I got there, it was Philip Schofield playing the part of Jace, of Joseph instead of Jason Donovan. Oh, it's heartbreaking. There we go. But I remember then, as a teenager, um, reading uh, the, the, the story of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis for the first time. And there's a line in there, early on, we'll read it in a minute, where it basically just says, And Jacob gave his son Joseph an ornate robe. And then the story moves on. And I remember reading it and being like, "But where are all the colours? I've sung about the colours of this beautiful dream coat, and that's all that there is in there. This one throwaway line, you know. I remember the song about the blue and the green and the yellow and the ochre. I think all these colours, and all the Bible actually tells us is that there was an, or- an ornate robe. And actually, if you read the uh, the story in Genesis, as we will be doing over the next few weeks, you'll see that." Um, it's very different to the musical, you know, this upbeat comedy kind of musical. Instead, over the pages of Genesis, we encounter a story that's much kind of more kind of messed up. It's darker. It's grittier. Um, it's a much grittier story. And we'll see that Joseph is part of a highly dysfunctional family. We will read about him being sold into slavery. We will read about him being imprisoned, um, falsely accused of rape. We will read about a famine that almost takes out the whole Middle East. It's so bad. Um, and whilst it's an extreme story at times, it probably much more closely speaks to the heights and depths of the human experience. And what we're going to be looking at over these few weeks is how is it we can remain faithful to God's call in our lives. And um, despite the kind of highs and lows of life, how is it we can faithfully follow God and depend on and, and do that, do so depending on his faithfulness to us. You know, if um, there was one kind of, you know, as you look at the arc of the story, if there was one line you were going to say over the whole of the story of Joseph's life, I think it's this, that God's purposes will prevail. God's purposes will prevail. In fact, as I think about it, that could be written over the whole of scripture, couldn't it? God's purposes will prevail. And we'll see how Joseph is called by God early on in this first chapter and then how God takes that the dream he gives him, and he kind of almost weaves together the events of Joseph's life to form him, to deepen his character, and then he puts him, it goes from one thing to another to achieve the Lord's purposes. So let's jump in. We're gonna be in Genesis chapter 37, um, and it starts telling us about Jacob. Jacob was Joseph's dad. It also later calls him Israel, but Jacob and Israel are the same person as Joseph's dad. So Genesis 37, it says this, Jacob lived, in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. "Listen," he said, "I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me." So this is the beginning of the story and we see a 17-year-old, a teenage Joseph, and he's having these two dreams, the same they're about the same thing. Um, and he has these two dreams and he's beginning to get this sense that God has a calling, a purpose over his life that's much bigger than his current reality. And in the time that I want to spend the rest of this talk, I just want to look at, um, how, kind of provide, if, if, if you would, a, a helpful framework for how it is that we can live out um, the God's plans and purposes, his calling for our life. How is it we can begin to live that out? How is it that we can live a life of purpose and meaning? And we're gonna, I'm just starting us off today. we're going to come back um, to this idea throughout the series. So these are just a, kind of a few big brush strokes um, to help us um, get it, get thinking about this. Now in my experience, the word calling can produce a real mixed of uh, response in people. you know there's often a lot of confusion about what calling is and what it isn't. Maybe it's in danger of being a church word that we use a lot that gets misused or misunderstood. And it's often a word that can make people feel like a failure or really pressurized, you know, how do I work out my calling or is it possible to miss my calling or does God even have a calling for my life? You know, these are big, big questions that go to the heart of who we are, our identity um, and, and what our lives look like, our plans for our lives. So they are really, really important questions. And um, as a way of kind of beginning to navigate some of these questions, I want to provide just a few, um, a few kind of central ideas that can, as I said, provide a framework for us to think about this. And my first one is this, that ultimately God's call is to the king and his kingdom. Ultimately, God's call in all of our lives is to the king and his kingdom, towards him and to his purposes, extending his kingdom. You know, the first question ever asked in the whole Bible is to Adam and Eve. And if you know the story, they have messed up. You know, they've been like, and just like children do if they've done something wrong, they've hidden from God. They don't want to see God. And God, it describes him walking in the cool of the Garden of Eden. And, uh, and then God asks this question. He says, Aika, Aika, the Hebrew word Aika, which means where are you? Where are you? Now, he doesn't ask because he doesn't know where they are. He knows where they are. It's not like some kind of, kind of game of hide and seek. No, he asked, the question means, where are you in relation to me? That's the question God asks. Ica, where are you in relation to me? That is the question that God asks all of us. That is the first question. He is always calling us into relationship with him. You know, as Christians, we know, don't we, that that is the primary call on all of our lives, and it's been made possible by Jesus' death on the cross, that our sin doesn't need to get in the way, because Jesus has taken it on the cross. He's dealt with it. And therefore, um, the call in our lives is always towards the king. We're always called towards the king and the kingdom, the king and his kingdom. You know, in the uh, in the Gospels, we see Jesus saying this to his disciples. He says this, Matthew six thirty three seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. This for me, this verse has been one of the central versus in my whole life, in my whole walk with Jesus. You know, seek the kingdom, live a kingdom-minded life. Live well, live right. And you know, you can trust that this good king will give you everything you need. This verse, I think, is really helpful for us to use when we think about calling, because it stops us coming at this idea of calling from a very kind of me-focused way. You know, who am I gonna marry? What job am I gonna have? What can I do with my retirement? You know, all those kind of questions we ask at different stages of life. Um, all those questions, it, it stops them, uh, our, kind of our primary focus being on ourselves. You know, these are good questions to ask and God cares. You know, he loves you enough for the details of your life. But if they're our primary focus, if they're our starting point, we're in danger of making calling about us, not about the king and his kingdom. And that actually is what, exactly what Joseph does here in these verses, doesn't he? You know, he has these two dreams. And, you know, as he says in verse uh, 6 and nine to 7, listen to this dream I had. My dream, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I mean, anyone that has older siblings will know that. It's going to hack off your brothers and sisters if you go and tell them that. Understandably so. Joseph cannot understand at this point, you know, how could he in some ways understand at this point the, the, the scope of what God is calling him to? You know, it's much bigger than the reality of his kind of twisted family dynamic that he's currently in. God is calling him to something much bigger. You know, we'll see later on that God uses Joseph. He places him in a powerful position in a foreign land to save the people across the whole of the Middle East from this terrible famine that is going to come and devastate it. By the time this prophetic dream actually comes into being, it will be in a much bigger way than Joseph could have imagined. You know, God here is calling Joseph to play a part in his saving purposes. He's calling on Joseph to come play his part in extending the purposes of God and extending the kingdom. A story that is still unfolding today. That's our call too. It's the call of the kingdom. That's the call on our lives to come and take our place in extending the kingdom. And God's call is always bigger than we can imagine. His call is always to the king and his kingdom. My second point is this. God's call is to ordinary people. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that one of the most comforting truths of Scripture, that God calls and uses the ordinary, the normal people. That he would use old duffers like you and me to achieve his purposes. That is the grace of God, isn't it? And as we look at Joseph in this chapter, let's be honest, he's a bit of a wally, isn't he, I think? (laughs) He's only 17, so I think we can kind of, you know, give him a bit of grace, maybe if we reflect on our 17-year-old selves. I'm sure I was a complete wally at the age of 17. In fact, I know I was. He's a bit of a wally though, you know. He doesn't act wisely, does he? He's a spoilt, favoured child. His father is basically allowing himself to be used by his father to go out and spy on his brothers and then give his um, father a report on how they're doing. And then when he gets this dream, he doesn't kind of ponder it in his heart. You know, he doesn't hold it closely and say, God, what is it you mean by this dream? He only sees it in relation to himself and then he goes and tells his brothers about it. Now, anyone could tell you, as I said, that that is not going to go down well with them. But what I love here in this story is that God clearly sees something in Joseph. He sees something in his heart. Despite the mess in his life, despite the mess in the family situation that he's in. I mean, this is like messed up, isn't it? The favouritism that's here. And if if you look back through the story of Jacob, the story of Isaac, the story of Abraham, you will see that it's like a messy soap opera at times. That it is full of favouritism and deception that runs from father to son to the next son to the next son. But this is the mess that God is willing to step into. We have a God that is willing to reach into the mess and use us for his purposes. Despite our mess, despite our family story, he can redeem all things. And I think, I hope that gives you hope (laughs) that if you feel stuck with your own dysfunction or the dysfunction of your family. You know, God can reach in and use all things for his purposes. He uses the ordinary. And you know what? We might see the mess, but God sees the gold. He sees the gold in Joseph at this point. He sees in Joseph a heart that will say yes to the king and his kingdom. You know, to the question, the Hebrew word, where are you, that God asks in Genesis. God loves it when we reply, you know, saying yes, a heart that says yes. The Hebrew word, means here I am fully available to you. He loves it when we reply with him, here I am, Lord. When he asks, where are you? We reply, here I am, Lord. Use me for your purposes. We are all works in progress. We are all raw material, but God loves a heart that can say yes. You know, over the years of pastoring people, I've often seen that, you know, we often kind of feel like when it comes to working out our calling, that God, we, we often have this perception that God makes it deliberately difficult for us to understand our calling in life. For us to achieve it, that he kind of almost is keeping it slightly out of our grasp. And often, when I pass to people, I feel like they, there's often this fear that they could miss their calling, that we could miss our calling, and, and that maybe it's like this kind of cryptic crossword that we might never be able to understand. And actually, do you know what my my experience is often just a case of timing. And this is what I'll always say to people: is, Do you know what God loves a heart that says hineni, here I am, a heart that says yes. God will use a heart like that for his purposes, a heart that says yes to him. And he will make his purposes clear in your life, in his timing, if you bring your yes to him. If you bring your yes, here I am, Lord, to the king and your kingdom, you're not gonna miss your calling. God is kind and good, and he will make his purposes clear. Even if you miss it the first time, he will keep speaking until you know, loud and clear, his purposes for your life. Now I kind of say, you know, miss it, as if it is as if kind of reaching our calling was this finite point. You know, so often that's how we view calling, isn't it? Maybe especially in our early 20s when we're starting out in life. That calling is this kind of point in, fu- in the future. It's this future event and we'll find it and then we'll reach there and then our life will just be living out our calling, happy ever after. This really isn't how it works. You know, our calling starts from the minute we say yes to Jesus. That's us working out our calling, beginning to live out our calling. It's worked out in the everyday and it's worked out in the highs and lows of life. It, this is not working and kind of walking our, at our calling with the Lord. It's not a straight path by any means. as we'll come to see in Joseph's life. You know, let's get back into the story. You know, we, we see these brothers, they are now seething with jealousy, even more so towards Joseph. And then later on in the story, we'll read that in chapter 37, Joseph. Jacob then sends Joseph out again to go and check. On, on his brothers as their shepherds, looking after their sheep. They're about 50 miles away. So Joseph sets off on this 50 mile journey to go and find them. And then let's pick up the story in verse 17. It says this, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Reuben's one of the, the, one of the brothers. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue them from him and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, there was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. (laughs) They give him that at least. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to the father and said, we found it, examine it to see if this is your son's robe. He recognised it and said, it is my son's robe, some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son for days, for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Wow, what a turn of events for Joseph. It's terrible, isn't it? It's awful. You know, Joseph... Um, We've seen he's had this dream of his his brothers bowing down to him. Um, He's got this sense that there's something bigger to his life. And then the next minute we know he's been sold into slavery. You know, it's kind of gone from his brothers bowing down looking up to him, from him being kind of thrown into uh, into a cistern, looking up at them. It's like a complete upside down role reversal. Instead of being in a position of power, he now finds himself sold into slavery in a foreign land, far from his family. You can only imagine at this point that Joseph would have been questioning that dream he'd had. How could that happen, Lord? You've given me this dream. How can that even happen now? You know, this dream was just shattered before Joseph in this moment. You know, maybe you can relate to that. You know, at the moment, this season that we're in, it feels like it's a season of dreams being shattered, isn't it? You know, maybe that's your experience, uh, a career that's been kind of put completely off railed maybe it's a business that is now in ruins maybe it's plans that have been cancelled maybe it's confidence that's been shaken you know maybe you've heard the call of God in your life and now you're wondering whether you misheard or maybe you just feel angry and let down with God and you cannot see what God is doing you know be be, be, be kind of assured or be um, take heart from from this that God meet you in that place and I love this verse that Joseph um, it's taken this is this verse I'm going to read just right from the end of Genesis the book of Genesis in chapter 50 um, where Joseph is now an old man and, and we'll know we'll see in the story that he is eventually reunited with his brothers and this is what he says to them years later in his life reflecting back on this story of what the brothers then do to him in this moment he says this to them you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done The saving of many lives. Joseph, you know, nearing the end of his life, he comes to realise this truth. That the call of God will prevail. The call of God will always prevail. God will work through all things to bring about his purposes. And it's so often a mystery. And of course, you know, in times, especially that's the case in difficult times, um, in times of suffering in our life where we cannot see what God is doing, where we doubt we've even heard the call on his lives, on our lives correctly. You know, be be assured I'm not trying to offer a neat solution to the questions we have in those times. You know, um, that is really helpful and often deeply offensive to offer a deep uh, kind of offer a quick solution to why it is we go through difficult times. Why it is our calling can sometimes feel totally disra- disrailed. But I do know this that God's plans and purposes will prevail. God's call on your life will prevail. So often, when it comes to calling, we want to see the whole picture, don't we? We want to see the whole picture, you know. But as, I've, as, as my experience in living out the calling of God in my life, we don't, I, I've never been given a, a kind of a complete picture of what it's all going to look like. Instead, I felt like it's more like I've been doing a dot to dot with God. You know, if you know those um, dot to dot pictures that children do when you go from dot one to dot two to dot three. And when you start, especially if it's quite a complicated one, you might not even know what the picture is that you're drawing. You know, and as, you, as you're going, going between the dots at times, or you're wondering what well, the next dot is, it can feel scary, especially when you feel like it did, it's not going the way that you thought it would. If you feel like, you know, that you worry that you're making a mess of it, that you've misunderstood. But doing a dot to dot instead of having a whole picture, the reason I think God does that is because there's an opportunity to trust him, to trust him as we go from dot to dot and allowing him to weave together like a coat. Do <laughs> you wanna come back to the dream coat? It's like God allowing God to weave together the details of our lives to bring about his purposes. And us not knowing how it all works out is an invitation to trust him, to trust that he is good. Just note how that first chapter of Joseph's story ends in 37, chapter 37, verse 36. It says, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So it's like Joseph's had this dream. He's then his brothers have then um, kind of sold him into slavery. Then he ends up in Potiphar's house. And we'll know there's lots more dots in between. But eventually he ends up second in command to Pharaoh over the whole of Egypt. Um. And he will look back on his life, as we saw in verse 50, and just see this dot-to-dot experience that he's had with God. And do you know that this dot-to-dot journey with God, as I said, isn't to reach your calling. It is your calling, the dot-to-dot experience. It is your calling. This is what it often looks like to work out the call of God in your life, a dot-to-dot experience. And like Joseph, you know, we will look back over our lives, and, we, and you know, this has been my experience, is that we will recognise and see the fingerprints of God, that this thing happened, this situation happened, that he, had, that he did this deep work in you in this moment and then for you were able to do this, and then this person came into your life and you ended up here, he will weave together those dots to dots, your circumstances, and you'll be like, oh, that's how I ended up over here. I wanted uh, to finish, actually, if I could, by showing you a picture that I came across while I was preparing this talk. Um, it's kind of a, it wasn't, It's not so much a journal entry but kind of a scribbled note. Here it is. A scribbled note that I found in my Bible as I was preparing it um, and it made me smile um, as I as I read it you'll see I've, the word spear here talking about I used to work for a charity called spear if that helps make more sense of it um, and I wrote this it will be over ten years ago now that I wrote this and you'll see this is me in between dots in my life this is me We were in London at the time, Matt and I, we felt the call of God, we felt God calling us to something else. And there were all these questions, where are we going to be long term? I did not know I was going to come to Cardiff, that was just a sense at that point. That was literally the most inkling of, is Cardiff where God's calling us to? I love that moment, will I be in Spear this time next year? No, within a few months, Matt and I, we had heard clearly, we'd had it confirmed and we had moved to Cardiff. To be part of this church. And you know, this summer, it's a special summer for Matt and I because it marks 10 years, a decade since we made that decision and moved here. A decade of being in Wales. This was me wrestling with God, with my calling, the next door. And do you know what's interesting? When, when we moved here, um, my first kind of year or so in Cardiff was really, really hard. It was really difficult. My uh, stepdad at the time was all the way back in the south e- uh, east of England and he was in a hospice dying of cancer and Chloe and I, my sister and I were travelling from Cardiff every weekend doing a four hour or well, an eight hour round trip there and back to see him every weekend we were in Cardiff up until the day he died a few months later. Um, I ended up really poorly in hospital with a kidney infection um, I couldn't get a job I was working in a cafe and it's not I'm not very good I've found working in a cafe not really my forte people kept asking me you know oh are you a student I was like no I actually used to have I had a proper job and now not that there's anything wrong with working in a cafe but I'd given up this job that I loved and here I was doing something that I wasn't very good at it was really rough and do you know what? I doubted many many times that we would made the right decision moving here that I joined the dots up the right way. But I felt that reassurance from God, that he had all things, that he would work out the call on my life, that his call would always prevail. And you know what, like James, if you can't measure whether you've heard God's call on your life right or not by how easy that's not. it is, it doesn't work that way. But 10 years later, I can see that just in the last 10 years, the dots that God has been putting in my life as I've gone from one thing to another and got me to the point I'm at now, And I trust, of course, that there's still more to come. God's call on your life will prevail. God's call is always to the king and his kingdom. God's call is to the ordinary, like you and me. And God's call will always prevail. I'd just love to pray in finishing. I just pray right now, if this is something that you struggle with, just right now, that you would... um, Just put your hands out and I just invite the presence of God to come and give you peace. Come and give you peace right now. And know that he will use you despite the mess. I just pray if you've got a really awful family situation, maybe you're worried about having children, passing things on to them, maybe you're just really struggling right now. Just know that God uses the ordinary, he can redeem all things. Maybe you've just been very inward looking. Just know God is calling you back to his king, back to the king and the kingdom. God's call will always prevail. Take heart.
0: Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvinyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.